Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Felix Castro. I'm Duncan Rhodes. And I'm Mark Zielinski. Welcome to another episode of Countercharge. And if you heard that second voice in our opening there, you know that it's a special UK edition and we have a very special guest on the show today, Mr. Duncan Rhodes. How are you today, Duncan? Oh, I'm very good, thank you. Very good. I've just been enjoying a nice cup of tea. Uh, it's a lovely warm day here. A bit windy, a bit windy. But, you know, I've been out for a walk. It's been nice. <laughs> you don't have that cup of tea next to your painting cup, do you? So you can mix them up? Of course. I like to live dangerously. It's also a uh, Mephiston Red water pot <laughs> from Games Workshop. I use it as my mug, and I've been using it for quite a few years. So, you know, I like to. I like a little bit of risk. There you go. That's actually one of the mugs I don't have. So I have the. Uh, I am looking at the Caliban Green right now, and uh, what is this, McCrag Blue? Yes, I've got those two. So I think I've got Retributor Armor somewhere too. Oh yeah. Oh Retributor, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I have none of those. <laughs> <laughs> Felix, you slacker! They came in a very nice tin and everything, and were fabulous. I have a I have a mug with a bulldog on it. That's what I've got. That's uh... yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. White dogs, you know. Yep. Very very cool. Well, Duncan, if there's somebody who lives under a rock out there in Internet Land, uh, can you give us a little background on Duncan Rhodes? Yeah, sure. I'm um, I, I'm a painter, and I've through quite an odd journey. I've kind of come to find myself as being a, a YouTuber painter who teaches people how to paint stuff. Certainly wasn't my intended career when I started out at a games workshop, but uh, but things happen, don't they? So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to go into that in excruciating detail here in our main topic today, and we're so glad that you joined us. So, But why don't we start, and uh, we'll go around the horn. We'll see what we're working on for hobby. Felix, what's on the painting desk right now? Still my Northern Alliance Pack Hunters, which I probably was listed on the last time we recorded an episode, but they're just staring at me, just daring me i'm closer to finishing i just need to base them at this point but uh yeah still working on them it, it, it's the whole like you know when, when the whole lockdowns for coronavirus happened got all like super motivated for hobby and just you know was knocking out units left and right and now i'm just sort of like uh are we are we still on lockdown what's what's going on here i need to <laughs> so the, the motivation <laughs> to continue painting has kind of waned here and there so I'll, i try to get the five minutes a day you know of hobby because five minutes a day is better than nothing that's um, true but uh, yeah, so that's they're still just staring at me right now, even as we're talking. So well, I see you on After Dark a lot more often than uh, I'm on After Dark. Uh, usually, it's a little bit later in the evening, so usually the steam is gone by that point, or I just uh, see you bopping on there. So I know you're doing more than I am. I think everyone's hobbies journey is different, you know. So uh, some people can get a lot of painting in, some people can get very little painting in. It just uh, is what it is. It's true. It's true. Yep, and that's why we have After Dark, so uh, to help you with that motivation when you need it. So, Duncan, what do you have on the hobby desk right now? Are you allowed to tell us? So many things. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I've got. Uh, I've always got numerous projects on the go. Let me see. Let me see. So, uh, the other day, I picked up an Infinity starter set. Um, so, I like to try out new things now and then. This is one of them. So, it's called Operation Strong. So on the desk is the miniatures of that I've been building, which I am blown away by the detail of, and uh, a few of them that I've started painting. What else? I've also got some War Machine miniatures. Uh, I've been trying my hand at that a little bit. I've got some War Gods miniatures, because they've been bringing out these like fantasy-style uh, Greeks, so I've got some of those. Uh, I've got some Star Wars clones from Star Wars Legion. I've got the Targaryen characters from A Song of Ice and Fire. Um I've got too many things. <laughs> <laughs> so many things. Yeah, I've been taking advantage of the lockdown, and I've been trying to get things done. But the wet thing is, like, I'm always like, oh, there's a new project. So all I'm doing is clearing out space to start something else. <laughs> ADD. It's, it's great. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I've been doing quite a lot recently. I managed, I finished um, for Song of Ice and Fire. I did a whole Targaryen army of a Dothraki horde, and I did some Unsullied to go with them. Painted Joffrey and his bodyguard. 
I painted, um, what did I do? I've done a load of, uh, yeah, War Machine things. I've got a bunch done. I'm kind of like closing on an, a, enough of that painted to play a game. Yeah, I've been trying to finish some things off too, including some World War II stuff for Bolt Action. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've got quite uh, an eclectic uh, range of interests. You know, there's loads of things, and I'm easily distracted by new shiny stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, new 40K is looking like it might do some of that to me. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the shinies. Yeah, and so many other things besides, you know, so many other, like, things keep sparking up any interest. I keep seeing things like Romans, you know, like, oh, I do an Imperial Roman army. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, yeah, lots to do, lots more to do. Um, I'm always going to be painting something. Absolutely. So uh, I didn't uh, hear any Kings of War miniatures on there. So we're here to rectify that today. (laughs) Speaking of hobby, you're working on pack hunters right now, Felix. I am working on clansmen. So thankfully, Felix uh, saved me from my hobby doldrums there by uh, getting me to go with a lighter brown, more khaki color scheme for my pack hunters. Mm -hmm. So I'm very happy about that. I was looking at these dark, everybody was painting them dark brown and I just didn't want to do that and just couldn't get myself motivated. Motivated. So Felix gave me a great tip. So that's got me back on the run. So I'm very happy about that. Yeah. So the Northern Alliance that models he's talking about, uh, you know, I think a lot of people try to paint them sort of like the wildlings from Game of Thrones and stuff like this, with the very yeah. dark, heavy, dark, heavy furs and stuff like that. I was suggesting more of a, a buff color, you know, a, a lighter yeah. leathers. And so he kind of has taken that and ran with it. So yeah, that's one of the challenges with with models like that. You know, obviously they've got lots of bone, lots of like twine and things like that it's very easy to fall into the trap of just making everything a dark brown which you know if you want to paint things quickly then yeah sure but it's um, it can lead to a very like if you're playing on a, a darker battlefield you just won't see the miniatures so i think that's uh, that's good advice even on a brighter battlefield they still just look like lumps of brown so i just i just didn't want to do that and any of the painting tutorials i saw for them they just didn't get it. Even in the uh, rule book that came with the starter set for the Kings of War 3rd edition, I hated the paint jobs in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were just horrible. And the way the fur looked and everything, just awful. So I just, it completely demotivated me. So I went up and I took your buff idea, Felix, and I went up and I looked for American Indian miniatures that people had painted to try to get that buckskin kind of look Mm -hmm. and so that's where i found someone that was painting his french and indian war indians and they started with the zandri dust and then they uh went with the agrax Earthshade, and then they highlighted up from there a little bit that's kind of what i'm shooting for so i don't know if i'm regretting not going with the contrast paint so what is that, Agaro something? And I saw somebody do that after I had already started the Xandri Dust thing. So I'm committed, so I'm done. That's, that's <laughs> the way the army's going to get finished now. I'm not stripping anything. Nice. Yeah, committed now, man. Stick to it. You have to. Oh, absolutely. So, well, hey, why don't we go ahead and get stuck in? So, because I'm so excited to have Duncan here. I don't want to take up all your valuable time, Duncan. And I, again, I really appreciate you being here today with us. That's all right. No problem. I've heard a lot of podcasts that have talked about the GW uh, things and stuff like that. So I don't want to rehash all that. But, you know, can you give us a little bit kind of how you started off with GW and stuff like that? I don't want to get into the usual stuff that I've heard you talk about. So more the GW era of Duncan Rhodes. So I know you started at the shop and kind of worked your way up. But then you got into painting and army painting and stuff. So I did. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Essentially, I worked in retail for a number of years uh, right after I left school. I, <laughs> I enjoyed it so much, I turned down uh, going to university for it. And yeah, it's kind of like determined the course of my life ever since. In a very, I didn't, certainly didn't expect it. But I kind of got into uh, the realisation that I really enjoyed teaching people how to paint in the store. That was my favourite part of it, you know, sort of like helping people unlock the idea of this is how you do that thing. And then they do it and they get the result. And it's like a real it's almost an addictive thing in a hobby like this, isn't it? You know, when you like get the result that you're hoping to get and, oh, brilliant, do some more of that. So this then uh, led me on to the, the studio, you know, and a job came up for that and I applied and became one of the hobby content providers. My role in it was doing army projects for White Dwarf. And over the years, the actual way that uh, we were called, the hobby team is what we were called, the, the way that we were used kind of changed slightly from doing back rankers and codexes to doing whole alternate armies and codexes and things. Then there was the the painting book that came along with it, uh, came along later on with a new range. And for that, it was around the same time the TV studio started and they wanted to have a go at doing a DVD to go with this book. And I happened to have a free schedule. So uh, I got kind of assigned to do that. 
And uh, it turns out it was a really natural fit. I got on very well with the, the guy who was kind of the one pushing this stuff, um, this fellow called Roger. The two of us got on very well and had similar ideas for it, but he wanted to take the idea further. So after I went back to the hobby team, he developed more and more ideas, eventually talked bosses into allowing me to work with him on a, an idea he had. And we did the test of it, and it was about building a riptide batsuit, is what it was, like a how to build one. And it's a very boring video, but the concept proved popular enough that um, a job position went up for it, and I applied for it, and I got it. So I ended up being the first hobby presenter of the Games Workshop Warmer TV YouTube channel. And um, for a number of years, it was just me. But yeah, it, uh, it definitely evolved, the ideas of it, the, the, the style we went for. It got honed more and more. And it's um, something I really enjoyed because it was on a bigger scale, you know, teaching people how to do this hobby stuff. Because a lot of painting miniatures can appear to be a very intimidating thing to go from. Like when you first see these models and you think, how on earth do you do that? Like, you know, and if you don't, it's not around people who will teach you or, you know, if you don't know anybody who's into it, it's very hard to unlock this stuff and understand it. Of course, now the world's very different with things like YouTube and there's a whole wealth of these guides being done. So, yeah, it's um, it's kind of... It grew in a way I never expected it to, and it became something much bigger than I ever expected it to. I think I was basically just really lucky to be in the right place at the right time for it. I actually have that DVD book set that they put out, which was great. I actually used it for my kids to actually help them paint, so it was uh, really, really cool. So you just got lucky, and you just happened to be available, and Adam just grabbed you? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. um, So Roger was the guy I ended up working with. There's a whole host of departments all sort of working together to get all this starting. But yeah, I just happened to be like free to do it. And it was it was very different, that DVD. It was very, like it was just um, a case of me painting whilst Adam did the um, the voiceover for it. And there was lots of kind of things that we set up to you know get my hands in the right place. And it, it was all kind of pioneering at the time to work out how to do it. When Roger had his idea of how to hone it more, he wants to introduce more personality to it, which is why in that case it was me narrating what I was doing. And it was me talking to the person the the intention being it's like having your friend duncan showing you how to do this stuff and i was really keen on it because i you know like i said that was the thing i enjoyed most about working for games workshop and i just wanted to demystify stuff because i've seen a lot of things of making miniature painting into being like like a a very difficult thing like a sort of mysterious who had people do this sort of stuff and i just kind of wanted anyone to be able to understand well this is the very simple you just follow these points these are the results that you'll get and so it was just really exciting for me to be able to delve into that more and more. Yeah, it's like, like I say, though, it, it went in a direction I didn't expect. We didn't even know if it would work at first. We thought people would very much hate what we were doing, and especially at the time because people like were very negative towards Games Workshop. So I thought I'd get a lot of um, attention, which I possibly wouldn't be able to cope with. Uh, as it turns out, it, it was the complete opposite. And, you know, I've, I've grown and learned a lot since then, so I'm not quite so worried about it now. But everyone really took to it in a very, very positive way, which was absolutely wonderful. And, yeah, not at all what I expected to happen. Yeah, it took my life in a very different direction from what I expected. And it's um, it's opened a lot of opportunities. And, yeah, I think, um, I well, I certainly hope that what we did was had a positive effect on the hobby and helped a lot of people get into it who wouldn't have done so otherwise. Well, Duncan, actually, I give you credit for putting a friendly face on Games Workshop. At the time, it was the evil empire, and everybody was hating on Workshop. And then you came along and started your friend Duncan helping you paint and became a little bit the poster child for Games Workshop. And you were friendly. And the whole company turned around, I think, at that point with its interaction with the fans and things like that. Yeah, well, I can totally see why people would get upset about Workshop back then, because it was, you know, if you want to think of it as at that point like a monolithic entity that didn't care about you, then you could certainly it could certainly appear that way. I think at the time they just didn't really know how to do social media very well. And, you know, it's all very different now, of course. But the people still working on the stuff are the same sort of people who were doing it back then. So it's it's a lesson in talking to people is the way to go, you know, actually interacting with people and being friendly and stuff. It's yeah, definitely as soon as you put a face on something like that, it changes the whole feel of it. Yeah, but it was it was strange. I mean, initially there were people who didn't want uh, my face to be shown uh, because back then it was very much like the complete opposite. It was like we want to move away from any idea of celebrity. I think is what we're, they were fearful of. I suppose the uh, so the idea of having a face on things went against that. So Roger had to do a lot of arguing to allow it. Of like, this is your friend Duncan showing you this thing. I mean, if you look back at games workshop books from that era, even novels, there's no the, the author's name isn't in them. All of that stuff had gone completely. So it was quite a quite a radical turnaround for it to suddenly, for a name to be there. 
But I think it, it worked. It proved a point, I think, that people want just want to be able to interact with you. Yeah, that's all people want, really, you know, when they're talking to a company. You, know, you want to, to not feel like it's a big corporation that's like, oh, give us your money. It's like, no, no, it's actually it's nice people who are making this thing that they think is cool and they want you to enjoy it. So, yeah, I think it's, um, I think it caused some changes. It's very interesting because I, I, I come from not a quad, not a real outside perspective. I, I played a little bit of 40K when I was in high school, a little bit in university, but by mid early 2000s i was already out of the hobby for the most part and out for almost a decade mm-hmm. so really this whole like all that stuff's kind of news to me i guess it's going oh okay got it you know, but i do agree though it did it did put a friendly face on to what probably seemed like to a lot of people a very inhuman unfeeling corporation so yeah i'd say that was successful in that respect and i think the videos were helpful enough that you know when it comes to people that the message me or message our groups and on facebook saying hey how do i do this or hey how do i do that Half the time, I just tell them to look up, you know, how to paint dot, 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 Warhammer TV. And then <laughs> chances are one of those videos will probably pop up and they can learn the technique. So, yeah, I'd say it was really successful in that in that respect. So oh, I'm glad. It's good to hear that. Well, I watch Tip of the Day every day. I couldn't wait for him to come out. And I would actually watch him at my desk while I was at work. So I was <laughs> and I just kept looking at him. It's like, wow, this is great. I can't believe this. This is terrific. This is all the little tips and tricks that I need. So I was very, very happy about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, tip of the day was quite a, um, a crazy thing when it started. We were thinking, like, you know, can we keep up with this? But it, it was surprising how, um, how much people enjoyed it, you know, how many requests we used to get as to what people wanted to see. It actually became quite difficult to pick out things, you know, that we thought would be popular. But uh, yeah, it was it was good fun doing it. It was good fun. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that sort of thing picks up again, you know, once, um, once lockdown's all over. I wouldn't be surprised if the guys start doing that again. And one of the things I really liked, Duncan, was Battle Ready. I love it because I'm a busy dad. I'm working all the time. I've got kids running around, and I just want to get stuff to the tabletop. So for me, the revolutionary thing was Battle Ready. So can you tell us a little bit about how that came about? Yeah, sure. Well, there's actually there's kind of two phases to Battle Ready. And you can see the initial playing around with the concept happened during the, the tips of the day. Some of the the later ones, I mean, I know they kind of changed when Sit of Colour got a bit of rebranding last summer. But you can see we started doing some tips of the day where we'd paint an entire miniature. And the idea was we had people asking about how do you, you know, do X thing quickly and just get it on the tabletop. Because you know, the, the hobby's like a, a spectrum, you know. Some people just want to play, some people want to paint, and most of us fall in between. But what we wanted to do then was respond to that with some quick guides about how do you do this. And so... What we were looking at is what people were asking for. And I believe the first one we did was a Space Wolf, if I remember correctly. It might have been a Gene Silicon guy. Yeah, so we were being asked, you know, how do you do these fast? And so I kind of figured it out. And the we had self-imposed rules of no more than eight paints and, you know, be a bit imaginative about how you do them. And, yeah, we did it. And it went down really well. People really liked it. And so we started getting more requests for, you know, can you do my army as battle ready? So, yeah, we just sort of evolved that, really. Now, at the same time, in the back, you know, in kind of behind the scenes, the, the rebranding for Citadel Colour was happening. And that kind of took on the concept of Battle Ready and kind of formalised it a little bit differently. So the, the way it's shown now is essentially a set bunch of things that if you do, your army will look cool. And it's very simple, like just learn these base skills and off you go. So it's very easy to forget that, um, like I said, you have this spectrum of hobbyists who are all into the hobby for different things and want different stuff out of it. And when you're painting, particularly when you're painting professionally, it's a very easy trap to fall into of just wanting to show off how good you are, you know, and like, oh, do the next amazing thing. And of course, a lot of people want to see that sort of stuff. But there's so many people who just want to be able to paint their stuff. And so I've always tried to keep focused on, you know, unlocking things in that way and remembering like basically sort of like sort of flying around the tabletop standard kind of stuff, I guess. So, yeah, it was um, it was a fun way of looking at another aspect of the hobby and providing stuff for people who uh, don't have much time, don't want to spend that much time painting because it's not really what they like, or people who are fairly new to it who, you know, like, how do you get this thing with the minimums of steps and paints and things that you've got to buy? So, yeah, it was, it was good fun doing that. And the challenge was really exciting for me as well, you know, figuring out how do you do this stuff so quickly. So it'd be fun to have a go at doing some stuff like that again. So how did you guys pick which models you were going to do? Just people requested them or? Yeah, yeah. So it started back with the the requests. And so it was, you know, we'd get an email in saying, how do I quickly paint this thing? Like, okay, that'll be a fun challenge. Let's try that. 
it was just a reaction of it. We'd get the comments in the videos on Facebook would say, people really like it. Can you please do my army? All right. <laughs> okay, we'll do that. So largely it was based around that. The, uh, the current battle ready stuff um, that was happening before COVID happened. That was kind of uh, initially started on top sellers, which is a, a good reasonable starting place. You know, it's going to be the popular stuff. And then it kind of evolved into new releases. And after I left, that's certainly what they were continuing doing. So I wouldn't be surprised if it returns after, you know, they get back into the swing of things. And it'll probably follow new releases, probably. But, you know, obviously I'm not there anymore, so I can't quite say for, you know, for certain. Um, but, you know, I think um, it's... It was quite quick to do those videos, so I expect you'll see them for a huge variety of topics in the future. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I really enjoyed them. And we're going to talk about that a little bit here in the future, uh, the near future, because <laughs> when we start talking about the uh, Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy. So uh, you kind of took your uh, painting classes on the road and you went to Adepticon. I was blessed enough to uh, take your classes a couple of times, so uh, it was great. So how did you get stuck into doing that? I uh, I got told to do it. <laughs> As Games Workshop was kind of developing this social media thing um, and Warner Community was building, there was a trip to Adepticon where it was like the first time we were fully there. And so, uh, you know, the powers that be wanted to make a bit of an impression on it. So part of the offering was me doing painting seminars. So along I went. And the first one I went with Roger, who is the fellow I work with now um, and was working with then. But he's kind of the guy operating the cameras and editing the video together. You know, the, the guy who's behind the scenes, really. And it was quite fun for both of us to be there and be interacting with people. After that first one, the nature of those um, certainly escalated. So there was a lot of them at each show. And the best thing I got out of those was actually talking to people in person and kind of learning on the fly, like, you know, what is appropriate in these lessons, what people want to see, what they're confused about, what things to show. Um, Because it's easy when you're, you know, thousands of miles away working in a little studio, it's easy to kind of make your own assumptions on things. It was really good to see in real life what people were actually struggling with and what's it, it helped me hone my tuition in videos um, to try and make it more appealing to the various different um, demographics that we were working for. Um, but it was exciting to go and see these shows because I'd heard about them for years, especially Adepticon. You know, people would talk about it in hushed, excited voices back in the UK. So in the UK, <laughs> you get nothing like that. The biggest show in the UK is Salute. Salute and yeah. Salute is it's more of a trade show. The tournaments and things happen at them, but it's not the same scale or spectacle as what you guys have there. Like the big army displays and the sort of boards that you make. There was one I found particularly amazing where it was a display for an army where it was done as if it was a hologram table. And it it was like, you know, you were Imperial officers looking for 40k. You were looking at this big holographic thing, the sort of thing you'd see in Star Wars, you know. It just painted as if they fit that. And yeah, that was really cool. That was really cool. Yeah, yeah, it was a crazy experience to be able to go to them. I, I definitely want to go to things like Adepticon and Nova and stuff like that again, um, because it's just really exciting. It's like it's like being on holiday, but surrounded by a hobby. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they uh, the at least in Kings of War, uh, we've had folks from the UK come to Kings of War tournaments and, and grand tournaments, and so they've brought the the concept of crazy display boards back to to the UK. And I think the hashtag UK uh, display board wanker uh, was one that uh, <laughs> <laughs> has developed amongst the, uh, the UK community. You know, again, cause obviously tournaments are done differently in the UK cause they're not traveling nearly as much. So the whole bringing display boards is not necessarily as big of a deal, but it, it's catching on the, the, the disease is spreading. Uh, <laughs> pardon the use of the term in our current pandemic situation. But uh, yeah, so the, the, the display boards are really kind of nuts in the United States. The amount of things I've seen in terms of making stuff look like ships, you know, yes. uh, it's, 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 it's insane. So yeah, it's kind of neat to see those. Sorry for yeah. derailing everything. Continue. Oh, that's fine. I think the problem in the UK about doing them is getting the space, you know, for yes, crazy yeah. things. Everyone's houses are so much smaller. <laughs> Absolutely. So how did you get to pick the classes? Just like you were told to go, were you told which classes to teach or did you get to pick? Well, the first year um, was a bit different. It was about, let's do something cool. So we got to do the uh, the Carriage and Overlords before they came out. So that was fun. After that, what happened was the show kind of picked what um, general subjects they'd be. Like it would be, for example, painting power armor or painting special effects or something like that. And then I'd kind of plan based upon that title what to do. So there's quite a bit of back and forth on it. The gradual evolved thing is that it's become a bit of a menu of like, these are the sort of things we can do. And it's a bit more structured now as to what then the miniatures will be for it and things. Um, because you've got to remember with these classes, it can be a lot of stuff. And I think early on people weren't <laughs> ready for 
and just how many miniatures would be required. So at Nova, for example, a class at Nova would be 20 people plus me, and you might be doing 16 such classes, and some of them might be like skin tones, in which case you're going to want to paint more than one. So that's then two models per people. So that's going to be 42 miniatures. And if you're doing that class four times, you can see how the numbers of miniatures suddenly skyrockets. Wow. Um, so <laughs> nowadays, it's like I say, it's the first time you're like, okay, I need this many models. You want to order how many? <laughs> right. Yeah, my, my job for the next uh, next two weeks isn't going to be uh, painting videos. You're going to be building these things. So it's, it's more it's a bit more organized now, you know. Um, they'll have people assigned to do it for you and stuff. Yeah, so but yeah, the, the thing, when it comes down to things like um, the actual nitty-gritty of the session, so say if it's doing uh, magical weapons effects, it'll be down to, it would have been down to me as to, all right, it's going to be these colors and it's going to be done like this and, you know, it'd be kind of uh, the painter's responsibility for planning how the thing would go. Oh, very, very cool. So, yeah, this the one when we painted a Skaven was my favorite because it was like the eight colors, how to knock them out real quick. I forget what the name of the class was. So, but uh, I mean, speed painting, speed painting. Yeah. So hopefully you and I will get to chat about that a little bit later. So but moving on, you have started the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy since you've left Games Workshop. And we kind of talked about that a little bit today. So can you kind of fast forward a little bit uh, into what you're doing now? Yeah. So, yes, I, uh, I left Games Workshop at Christmas and it's because it's been a, so it's not just me. It's um, it's actually me and my friend, a fellow called Roger, who was a guy I mentioned earlier. He's always been in the background of these painting videos because the whole thing was his idea. Um, he brought me on to be his presenter. He had the ideas of how to set it up and what to show and the pacing of it, all this kind of thing. So he kind of trained me to do it, essentially. I, I had a bit, the natural inclination to want to teach people and I had the, the approachable persona and stuff. So I fit very well into it. But he was the guy that actually got me to talk in the correct way and explain things in the correct way and trained me. It's a bit like driving a car, like getting your hands in the right positions. You know, he kind of went through all this sort of stuff with me. And the two of us have often talked about, wouldn't it be cool to have your own business? And it's certainly been a life ambition of Roger. And we just kind of thought to ourselves, you know, we've been doing this for a long time now. What would we do? If, you know, what's the next stage for us? Because you always got to kind of look to build your career out of me, you know, but to, to build yourself and to move on and up so you don't become stagnant. And, you know, it kind of came about, we were like, you know, could we do this independently? Like, could we, because there's obviously more than Warhammer, so other other things we could do? And, yeah, we just started talking about it more and more, and it gradually formulated itself into an actual an actual thing. And, I mean, I can certainly remember the day when we were sort of like, are we actually going to do this? Yeah, well, let's, let's do this, because it comes down to a point where it's like, you either do it, and accept the consequences, you know, like for good or bad, it might work, it might not. Or you don't do it and then you've got to kind of let it go. And um, Celsius will drive yourself crazy. Um, right. And we just kind of got more excited about the idea of like, imagine what it's like to be your own boss and to do your own thing, determine your own future and decide for yourself what things you want to spend your time on. And the idea became very, like, very exciting. We just couldn't ignore it. So, yeah, we eventually decided, all right, let's do this. So we started learning how to run a business and yeah, we were like, I, I went on a course about running stuff and we really did our homework. We planned it for a long time. We did the maths working out, oh, how much can we charge for this? How much should we charge for this? If we charge this much, how many people do we need to be self-sufficient? What can we do in a week? How do we run it? How do we process orders? How do we build a website? You know, there was a lot, a lot of stuff. And the two of us backed each other up on it. So every now and then one of us would get sort of scared about, you know, what if this doesn't work? What if no one signs up? What if this happens? And the other one would be like, don't worry, calm down. It's going to be all right. These are <laughs> right. You know, it's the reality of our situation. So it, it was good that the two of us knew each other so well that we'd worked around each other very closely for years and years. I mean, like in the early days of Warren TV, it was just Roger and me in a soundproof room for hours a day, you know, um, day in, day out. So, yeah, we were very we, we knew we worked together well. So none of that stuff really worried us. But right. yeah, eventually it kind of got to the point where you know, the day comes along of like, right, are we actually going to do this? And both of us were very scared about it right before we did it. Um, but yeah, we made the jump. So yeah, so what we did was set up the uh, the painting academy. Now, there was it went through a whole variety of different names. Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy was Roger's idea. For me, it, it sounds very self-aggrandizing using my name like that. <laughs> right. As Roger, yeah, as Roger rightly points out, my name has sort of become a brand. and People know with my name on a video, they know what they're going to be getting out of it. So it made sense. It's also it's kind of like a branding thing that you know we're going to own because it's, it's my name. So it is right, even though it feels weird to me to say our website address is using my name and stuff. It's, it it doesn't fit well with <laughs> how right. I normally am. But yeah, we went along with it. Roger created the logo. 
um, which is very exciting to see that come to life. And yeah, started building the site, started planning what we wanted to do and went for it. So we managed to create everything in the three or so months after leaving Games Workshop before we actually launched. We really jumped into it right after Christmas. And it was very exciting, you know, driving to go and buy the cameras because Roger got to do his own research as to what cameras he wanted. And so he was shopping around and stuff. And there was a shop in Birmingham. And so we spent a few times we drove over there and we're trying out the cameras in the shop. You know, I'd have to take some miniatures with us so we could (laughs) set them up and see what they look like with the different ones that we were picking out. Yeah, it was quite a... Uh, quite an adventure um eventually we sort of settled on the ones that we wanted and we bought them and that wasn't cheap but right. we'd saved up money to invest into it and yeah started building a studio um <laughs> and then filmed a, a test video which was for a miniature from a song of ice and fire which was um a house baratheon warden one of their regular infantry guys and it was super weird doing a video where we were using some non-games workshop products in there <laughs> right that was actually kind of uh, kind of leads on to a question i was, was going to ask is like what's it like having the freedom to to kind of do whatever because i mean folks may not have watched the academy just yet i mean you've done a song of ice and fire you guys did a fallout video you guys have done star wars legion like what, what's it like to be able to kind of do what you want <laughs> like, it's amazing it's super exciting because there's there's so many cool games and so many cool miniatures and things out there and you know i've always been aware of them in fact these um for my private hobby when i was at games workshop i often would paint non-games workshop things because it sort of offers a line between work and hobby in that way so you know i've become very aware of all these different games and things that are out there and dabbled quite a bit in various things and then actually being able to then because you, you always wonder to yourself like you know i'd be painting a um british napoleonic soldier you know a red coat and uh, what would it be like to do a painting video for this i wonder how it would be you know and then to actually go and do it <laughs> was quite an experience so i think it's great it's um it's really fun to react to what people want to see and it, it's fascinating to watch people realize that i'm aware of what these other games are <laughs> <laughs> so i can kind of understand why people think that we didn't you know, like, of course, at Games Workshop, no one knows about, I don't know, Star Wars Legion, right? Like, yeah, of course, no, you know, they, they just concentrate on Warhammer. It's like, no, 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 people are aware of these things. You know, like, there are hobbyists who are into all sorts of things. Star Wars is right. a very common property, so there's lots of people who love Star Wars. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's been really fun. And also diversifying the various products that we use has been really exciting as well, like using some army painter products and some Vallejo products and things like that. It's been fun trying out this stuff and going like uh, oh we did a conversion video where we turned some scenery into a train for 40k that was and really cool i like that that's, one. <laughs> that's that's an idea i've had banging around for years um doing that and uh to do it you need a razor saw so we're like oh we'll just buy a razor saw there we go it doesn't have to be a games workshop branded one anymore <laughs> right so yeah it's um it's i've really enjoyed it i think it's been really fun sharing other things with people and with we think we've introduced some people to things that they weren't aware existed as well so that's really cool it's um it's building the hobby i think in a very practical way so i i guess uh kind of go continue with uh some of the questions that i was having about that like how long does it take to record a typical video like i know because you and roger is it a three-hour long process to do a 15-minute video is it an hour-long process like i you know so for a typical miniature, a, um, a regular 28 millimeter scale standard figure, it will take us a few hours to film it. We will shoot it over the course of one day. Then Roger will take down the footage. And then the next day, whilst we're shooting the next one, he's editing the video behind me. We're literally like, you know, sort of working in well, not close, close proximity, but he's like on one side of the room and I'm on the other. So we'll do that. And we just kind of work our way through them like that, which is allows us to have the very quick turnaround because Roger's like, he's... Um, a very key feature of it, and I'm quite glad now that people are sort of seeing what he does. The the reason why we work so quickly is we've got that, you know, well-polished machine kind of attitude to it. So Right, yeah. So that's why in the Academy we're able to turn out between one and three full-length tutorials each week. Um, three is always our target. Um, we sometimes can't make it depending on what happens in that week and, you know, what the complexity of the model is like. Um, for example, doing like a big monster or something that'll take like, most of the week for us to do. But, yeah, it's uh, it's quite a practice routine that we have now. So, yeah, usually I suppose it'll take about four hours to shoot a half-hour video, perhaps five hours for a regular miniature. Yeah, and it also, the speed depends on who the target is for that particular video. So, say, if we were doing like a battle-ready kind of video, we'd probably be able to shoot that in an hour and a half, possibly an hour, depending on what the model is. Then it increases, and it's, it's not a reflection on the time it actually takes to paint a miniature. So, like, for a regular um, infantry figure, It'd take me about an hour to paint it, I suppose. When we're shooting it, it takes much longer because there's lots of stuff we have to do in between each shot. 
Yeah, and stuff drying. Yeah, yeah, that's all. When it comes to uh, a more high-end thing, then it will take longer. So the Infinity figure we did a few weeks ago, we did some blending on the armor for that, and um, that's uh, explaining it and doing it and then actually doing it, you know, myself off camera. That just took longer because doing that sort of thing just takes longer. So that video took us about a day and a half to, to make. So, yeah, yeah. So, like I say, it varies depending on what you do. But uh, generally, we try and get a video done a day is uh, is our target. So, Duncan, you mentioned uh, Battle Ready a little bit in your discussion with Felix there. What level videos are you aiming for? Battle Ready, Intermediate, Advanced, or a combination of all of them? So, it's intended to be a combination of all of them. So, the idea is uh, the form of the, the way the site's taken comes about in that it's the best way that we could work out a way to survive and generate an income. But it also means that it's a kind of uh, an enclosed community, as it were, where the language used is consistent across everything. So the intent is, as we build more and more stuff into there, that we have a structured beginners thing that explains to you what all these things are, along with like exercises to learn all these different techniques. And then the case, the idea would be case studies of like um, some models would be simple, some models designed for speed painting, so battle reddish kind of things. Then you'd have more like intermediate, what we call the target would be high tabletop standard. And then a few more advanced things where it's like a case of, all right, going to take you a little bit further. So the intent is to build it more in that way. So with that in mind, what we're catering for, I suppose, would be about 90, 95%, I think, of the hobby. Uh, At least that's my best guess. There are some really advanced things on there for which there's lots of resources out. are lots of advanced things that can be learned, which we'll touch on a few of them going forward. But there's lots of really good resources already out there for which we think is very well catered. But there's sort of the majority of people who just want to get their stuff on the tabletop. That's kind of like our target audience. But yeah, the intent is that it's all sort of like self-contained thing that if you sign up you'll learn what all these terms are and it's those things that are then used and it's never done never approached in a way of this is what i would do because i think this is the correct way of doing it it's all a case of this has been designed like thought about for the average joe they want to approach it like this this is the most practical way we can devise of explaining these things so that they can learn those skills and then take them on to use in whatever way they want for whatever they want I mean, I alluded to it early on. It's very easy to get sort of lost in your own personal hobby in this sort of thing. We're trying to very much keep that separate from my personal hobby into an actual professional service, I guess, where it's the intent is for you to unlock the skills that you want to do the thing that you want to do is the idea. Um, so the ultimate goal is that people then become better painters than me and go on and do their things. That's the overall intent for any teacher, I think. Um, so that's sort of what we're driving towards. Now, I noticed that you haven't painted any Kings of War miniatures yet. How do we get you to join our little gang here? Our members need to request it, really. It's as simple as that. A lot of the things that we've taken on have been because people have been asking for it. So that's why we started doing Infinity recently, uh, because we were starting to get more and more emails asking us for it. We've been having people asking for things from Privateer Press, too. So, you know, that's why we started doing that. So really, it's as simple as people who like Kings of War just got to ask us to paint some Kings of War stuff. And then, you know, off we go. Easy as that. Everyone listening, you know what you need to do. So, Duncan, how would they reach out to you to make this request? Oh, there's plenty of ways of getting in touch with us. So, there's on the academy, there's a contact form. I'm usually the guy that mans the email things from that. These days, we get <laughs> slightly too many emails for me to be able to respond to all of them, but I do my best. You can also contact me on Twitter, where I am at Two Thin Coats. And I'm on Instagram as well, but Twitter's, uh, Instagram, it's uh, Duncan J. Rhodes. The Twitter is the thing, Twitter and the email contact form are the two easiest ways of getting in touch with me. So, yeah, people are always welcome to request stuff from there. And, yeah, it's, like I say, it's down to what people would want to see. Like, what would you guys want to see from Kings of War? For me, it would definitely be, so uh, one thing that Mantic has really done, they've been kind of knocking out of the ballpark or with their... They're larger. They call, they call them Titans in mm-hmm. uh, Kings of War 3rd Edition, but the the large 75 by 75 mil monsters. They've got Krakens. They've got Frost Giants. They've mm-hmm. got uh, just any of those large monsters that just a lot of detail. Not, I would say a lot, of, not too much detail, but they're very detailed and just the really cool miniatures. It's it's a bit of a departure from the 28 mil, but I think even those monsters would look good in pretty much any fantasy because uh, they're just generic enough you know they've, they've you know they've got krakens they've got these large they call them slashers they're almost like dinosaur type looking things it's a lot of good you know large monsters i think that's one of the mantic's really big strong points have been hitting on models lately but you know again some of the uh, what mark was saying northern alliance they've got some pretty good models coming out of that line uh they're night stalkers which are really good for any sort of kind of scary nightmare creatures 
mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll put I'll put recommendations when I when I when I put yeah. messaging stuff because yeah, yeah, these it's... are these super creepy demons and things, aren't they? Sort of, yeah. They're just like they're almost uh, in in the game. They're just like nightmares made manifest is really what they are. So they're not even demons because they they do have demon uh, armies in the game. But uh, yes, yeah, but the, they're abyssals, aren't they? Is that correct? Yeah, the abyssals. Yeah. yeah, but like the night stalkers, they're just they're just nightmares made manifest. There's just not, they're they're not even grounded in any real reality. So they're almost in the lore. They're almost what their enemies think them to be. You know, just like whatever. Oh, I see that <laughs> you know? and... Yeah. They, they kind of feed on your fears and just they become manifest of what your fears are. So, you know, mm-hmm. so, yeah, so that's kind of a so yeah, there's a lot of stuff. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll start making our recommendations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, there you go, Duncan. And you know what I want to see, how do, how I can knock out troops quickly and effectively. So they've got lots of them in there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I want that five to eight colors, you know, magic moon clan grot kind of style, Skaven, you know, speed painting type of thing. So mm-hmm. I would love to see that in particular because with Kings of War, we're filling up giant bases like a horde can be 40 models. So, you know, how are you going to knock those out? That would be good. So, Felix, you and I have a lot of work to do after the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's always some new models to paint, isn't there? There's always more stuff. Absolutely. So do you have any advice for new painters or home gamers for knocking out minis quick? Yeah, it's um, a couple of things. So what you want to do, I think, is not start from primers of black. Um, I would start from greys and things like that, khakis, that sort of colour, and try and pick one that's going to be the majority colour for your army. Um, go from there. And then what you it's a simple case of trying to work out um, the main colours in the model um, for fancy stuff like Kings of War. Usually it's going to be silvers and brasses and things in there like that and some leathers. And then look for a wash paint. Now, there's loads of different washes available. There's, you know, there's like the Games Workshop shades. There's ones from Army Painter. These are your friends. Even the contrast paint can use like this. But often what you do is just dilute them with one of their relevant mediums because what it does is it just takes the edge off how strong they are. So it doesn't dull down the miniature too much or make it too murky. And uh, yeah, then just hit it all over the model. Now, depending on what the, the figure is, there'll be slightly different orders to this sort of stuff if you want to keep everything bright. But uh, those... Those initial things, you know, don't feel like you know, all these beautiful models that you see painted on the internet. You don't have to hit that sort of stuff. It's cool to have your stuff painted and on display for everybody. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be every single detail picked out. So you shouldn't worry about that sort of thing to begin with or be intimidated by other people. The other stuff to get used to is um, kind of the, uh, the, well, I guess the mantra stuff that's started following me around, <laughs> like the uh, applying too thin coats and thinning your paints. <laughs> the, but these are very practical things that people should do um the reason being applying too thin coats it's like painting a wall in your house it um, achieves a smoother result and gets more even color and um, if you go with the paint on whilst it covers things up it'll end up lumpy the um, the other thing of thin um of thinning your paints is um basically just practicing and every paint's different every manufacturer's different every color's different but you get a sort of feel for the consistency of what the paint needs to be and over time you learn this and, and it, how it varies from color to color and things you just want to thin it to the point where when you apply it it is going to allow you to apply its tooth and coats so yeah those are the kind of the key things i think people would want to learn to begin with and i suppose another tip which i've started to realize recently is a big deal is um, about holding the models correctly and um, basically bracing your hands so you're nice and steady so if anyone watches any videos where I'm painting, you'll notice my hands are always touching. And that's because I'm anchoring one hand against the other, which stops my hand from shaking, which means I can paint the detail nicer and get more control over things. So that's another thing I would advise people to start doing and get used to. Well, the intimidation is real. I can tell you that. I feel it a lot. And the advice to just and to get it out there, just that I always say, Duncan, my favorite color is done. So, <laughs> so, and uh, how to knock it out and make it look good, you know, and not, and not feel intimidated. There's so many photos out there and just, and I look at that stuff and go, I can never do that. And I, I don't even want to post my models on the internet. So I'll, I'll put them in group chats and things like that. So I just actually had some show up in Steve Hildrew's weekly update. I don't know how that went over, but you know, like Felix, for instance, is a much better painter than I am. So, but I can tell you that in, intimidation is real. And I've been playing for so long. I hearken back to the old GW block style and, you know, that type, you know, goblin green bases are real, man. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think I mean that's the kind of 
that's what I'm all about. And I just my goal through all this stuff I'm doing and with the academy nowadays is trying to make the hobby more accessible to people and help them achieve the results they want. And everyone wants different things out of it. So um, I don't ever want to fall into the trap of only trying to do high end stuff. I want right. to offer a, a broad brush <laughs> of things. And Roger has the same intent about it. It's all about trying to unlock and break down barriers for people. So if you want to be able to paint that massive army of the Northern Alliance, for example, if you want to do some of these barbarians, which, you know, like if you want to get them looking cool on the board, then that's the sort of thing that's, okay, so that's that's target audience, cool. How do you paint units of these guys quickly? How do you do them effectively battle ready? I mean, um, I right. suppose it'd be a different thing for that now. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, likewise, if people do want to understand how do you do these fantastic effects on like um you know add like the ice elementals for example if you want to do the blended blue to white sort of thing how do you do that well there's a, a space for people how do you do it quickly there's also a space for people who want to do it to a really high level so it's right. all trying to you know offer this variety of things give the uh, give the customer what they want i suppose is <laughs> is what i'd say there give the viewer what they want to see and so that they go away happy and having learned something and have to approved and got a bit closer towards that target of what they want to achieve but that's worked well for Mance, for Mantic, you know, just giving what their customers want. I mean, that's, you know, you can only do so much without listening to your customers and survive as a company. So, I mean, it's, it's really prudent to, you know, response and feedback from, you know, the companies. That that really works well with the customers. I mean, we, we all really appreciate that when it feels like we're, our voices are being heard. So glad mm-hmm. to see that you guys are putting a uh, kind of that as your sort of mantra uh, to, to listen to feedback from the people so, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's our, it's our core thing. I mean, this whole bizarre direction that my life's taken over the last seven years or so is straight down to people who have um, supported us all these years. So we very much are there to, to serve them and to give, you know, give these people what they want to see. Um, so, yeah, it is as simple as people just asking us to see these things, you know, and um, then we'll cover them to whatever sort of standard they want. But uh, at the same time, we want to keep it very personable. So if you know people do try and contact us, it's Roger and me that they talk to. Right. We want to stay that sort of friendly contact point, really. Yeah, it's. Um, I'll tell you what, it is wonderful to be able to do this sort of stuff. And um, the, the excitement of becoming your own boss is huge, and be able to go in whatever direction you want is is such a wonderful experience. So I do feel very lucky and very blessed to be in this position. And it's something that I won't ever take for granted. And um, I, you know, it'd be wrong to do so. It's it's always for Roger and me. It's going to be about you know doing the best that we can with everything and not just phoning it in or anything like that. You know. So, Duncan, you have 102,000 subscribers on YouTube now. How does it feel? Incredible, uh, especially for how fast it was. Um, I can remember when we were with Warhammer TV when we hit the 100,000 subscriber number and um, YouTube sends you a little trophy, don't they, a little trophy button thing. That was very exciting. It's kind of cool to have done it again. <laughs> so, you know, to <laughs> hit that point again. And, um, yeah, we didn't think it would be quite that quick. But, you know, thanks to everybody who did subscribe and follow us. Yeah, we wanted to have a YouTube presence because we don't want to. I mean, obviously, we've got to uh, we've got to make a living. So that's why we have stuff on our site behind the paywall. And we, we do a lot of stuff there. I mean, we're averaging about for every free one we put on YouTube, we're doing about four to five on the site. Um, but, yeah, we realize that a lot of people aren't going to be able to go there, won't want to and, you know, all these kind of things. And that's totally cool. We still want to support the community in as open way as we can. So we are putting stuff out there and there'll be games workshop stuff and non-games workshop stuff. You know, it's again, it's reacting to what people want to see. And for those kind of things, we look at what's in the comments and what people are talking about and what techniques they want to see covered. So, yeah. That's where that's going to be. We're, we're aiming to put a video there every two weeks or so. Yeah, we're having fun trying to pick things that people won't expect us to put there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I've definitely seen some videos on the, you know, the YouTube channel that I'm just like, wow, I didn't know that. Again, it's like when the Fallout miniature, I was kind of like, huh. That, I mean, I have played the video games, but generally not a huge Fallout fan. But I was like, oh, this is intriguing. So definitely watched yeah. it. It was pretty interesting. So, yeah. There's loads of things that, like I say, there's loads of cool games out there that um, there's going to be a lot of people who just simply aren't aware of it. So there's going to be people who are Fallout fans from the video games who were also into Warhammer, you know, and that's like their their wargaming thing, but may not necessarily realise that there's a wargaming version of these games. Same with Skyrim. There's a Skyrim game for that now. The cool thing about those games is that they're all very narratively driven. So it's uh, it's a fun thing to try and introduce people to these things they might not have seen otherwise and see that there's like lots of different elements of the hobby that people can enjoy. Same for doing stuff like historical games, you know, like um, growing into those. And I guess, you know, with things like Kings of War, the uh, the ranks and flanks idea, there's going to be people who will want to do that sort of stuff, but perhaps will have lacked since Warhammer Fantasy stopped. And, you know, if they encounter that sort of thing appearing in a painting video, 
well, that might be the thing to bring, bring them back into the hobby. So, yeah, we want to cover a, a wide variety of stuff. So speaking of the Academy, how do people find it? And can you give us some details? You talked about the paywall and things like that. So why don't you give us the dish? Yeah, okie dokie. So um, the Painting Academy is at um, duncanroads.com. <laughs> which feels always so weird for me to say, but that's where it is. And uh, that's where you can sign up to it. It is uh, £3.99 a month. We basically priced it as low as we could <laughs> to make it as accessible as we could to also buy our maths, sustain ourselves. And yeah, if you sign up to it, that's the, the one tier. There's no like gold membership or anything like that. Basically, if you're willing to support us, you have access to everything. At the moment, I believe there's about 40 videos on there. And these cover things from um, conversions to techniques to um, super big models to really quick small models. Um, you know, it kind of covers a whole variety of stuff. And like I said, the idea is that in the technique section, we'll be expanding that with the basics of these are what these things are. This is how you learn them. And then that's the stuff that we're putting into practice on the, the miniatures that you see elsewhere on the site. And it's currently divided up into we've got 40K and Age of Sigmar. Um, then we've got sci-fi and fantasy. We've got World War II and historical uh, conversions and scenery and techniques. So there's quite a few sections in there. There's also a gallery. So every miniature that we paint in the gallery, there's a really high resolution image of the front and back of it. So people can study that if they want to copy what we do directly. And the intent is as well, people can lift the techniques from like painting a miniature and use it on anything. So for example, if you were looking to paint I don't know, a human army, for example, or a Northern Alliance, like, for example, if you wanted to paint some of those, there are videos that we'll be doing coming forward for like, free folk, you know, that we were talking earlier from some of Ice and Fire. You just be able to lift what we do there and apply it to those other models, and you'll get cool looking results. Likewise, if you wanted to paint a Bastilian army, for example, for Kings of War, you could use how we paint the Lancaster Guardsmen and transfer that over, and you'll get a cool result all the same. As for our YouTube channel, that is Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy. Um, you just pop onto YouTube and you'll find it there. And yeah, I'd say we put a video there usually once every two weeks. And this is kind of, if you like what you see there, there's basically loads more of that on the Academy if you want to sign up and it's all there for people to enjoy. Very, very cool. So what what does the future hold for the Academy? I mean, uh, I put a couple of things out there for myself. Like, do you think we'll see a hangout and paint style show? Are you going to do anything like Twitch wise for us or? Um, well, it's um, so we're always looking to expand with new ideas. We've got a bunch on the, you know, on the cards. Um, some of them I can't talk about right now. Other things we're, we're wanting to sort of like expand a, a feel for our members to be able to talk to each other. We're looking at potential forums, comment sections, that sort of thing. So people can get to know each other on there. Yeah, we've got some uh, uh, lots of exciting video ideas that we're working on. Uh, which again, I can't really talk about at this point, but um, kind of expanding what we're offering to things that people I don't think would expect me to do from a very like beginner friendly and speed painting friendly stuff to more advanced stuff. So there's going to be a huge variety of things on there. Yeah, yeah, there's, uh, you know, there's lots of potential. We're looking at the possibility of doing podcasts on there. And yeah, we're just going to see how it grows. I think uh, hang out and paint with, uh, you know, <laughs> well, it, you know, we wouldn't call it that, but like a, a sort of, you know, a, a hobby session. I suppose it'd be more like a podcast kind of thing. Potentially, we'll see how it goes. Well, for Countercharge, we have something called After Dark, Duncan, that you can drop by, but we have it on Discord. We had it on Google Hangouts for a while, so it keeps bopping around, but it's just kind of there for everybody to hang out and paint, So, which is why I enjoyed that, sh mm -hmm. that show so much. It, just, it, it kind of reminded me of After Dark, which was just a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, hang out and paint was probably the most fun thing to do um, for, for Warhammer TV. Because it's, it was that direct contact with the, the customers, you know, the um, the viewers, the, the people who are supporting you. And it was always really nice to be able to talk to them directly. And I think as well, people got to see the personalities of people um, through that. Uh, right. Because, uh, you know, with the painting videos, they're all very structured because it's all directly about teaching them to do that. It's all focused around that. On the Hangout, it's more of a case of, all right, just have a chat, you know. <laughs> So it would lead to some quite uh, amusing situations. Um, I can remember frequent times of not being able to talk because I was laughing so much at what people were saying. <laughs> <laughs> I just enjoyed the lictor, so that was always fun. So Yeah, yeah, I think that's following me around to the day I die. <laughs> so have you thought about offering uh, Zoom classes or you know, Microsoft Teams or something, you know, for private or group lessons or something? Yeah, we, like, we have certainly thought about that. It's uh, at the moment, because we're so focused on building the uh, the core part of the academy, it's something that we're not doing just yet. But in the future, certainly uh, classes and live classes and things like that are things that we're going to be doing. 
All right, fantastic. So, and have you thought about doing like an entire army project type set of videos or something? I know you're just getting started, so you can't possibly have all these ideas already done in a catalog already. So, you know, just exciting things that, uh, you know, I think about that I'd like to see. Yeah, it's kind of like ideas that we've noted down and things that we want to do. So, yeah, there's lots of potential for growth at the moment. Um, when it comes to army projects, um, that is something that we've talked about. But at the moment, what people are asking for is they want to see stuff from their, the army that they do or they're interested in doing and, you know, or things that they don't know how to do, just broken down. So we've been focusing on that for now. But doing a thing about, like, how would you paint an army in a week? I think that will be a fun project to do, but it'd be a very different thing from what we do right now. So in the future, yeah, potentially. And since you enjoyed Adepticon so much, in that last class, you were always exhausted. Do you think you'll bring the Painting Academy to Adepticon if, uh, <laughs> when things get back to normal? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I think we'd like to do something like that. But we'll, we'll see what you know how it works out, what form things. But I would always learn a lot from those kind of things. And it would be entertaining to do them for different subjects. So, yeah, why not? All right, Duncan. Well, Felix and I could talk to you for hours, and you have an open invitation to come back to the show anytime. So why don't we go ahead and slide into a commercial break? We'll come back on the other side. We'll do shout-outs, and we'll wrap up the show. This is Skullface. I'm the Great Con. And this is Rico Radisquico. And we're the War Kings, and you're listening to Counter Charge. Yeah. And welcome back. All right, it's time for shout-outs. So, Felix, any shout-outs for today? No, not really. It's kind of, like I said, I'm, I'm more of a tournament-focused uh, guy, and a lot of tournaments uh, you know, have, are having to convert to digital because the in-person stuff still not really happening in the, in the United States. But shout out to the guys that are keeping the community going for Kings of War, whether it be Universal Battle or you know, the other podcasts we have or just other content creators talking about Kings of War. Just shout out to them. You know, Keep fighting the good fight. That's all I got. There you go. So what you're saying is Duncan needs to shift his focus into creating icons for Universal Battle. Is that what you're telling me? Uh, no. But no, I just, I mean, just keeping uh, any, anything that keeps, you know, games in the collective memory or imagination of, of people worldwide. I mean, that's doing the work right now. So good on everyone doing that. So shout out to those guys. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Duncan, any shout outs today? Yeah, I'd just like to um, shout out to a, a store that I know and love in the UK. It's called Boards and Swords, and it's a, it's a website, boardsandswords.co.uk, for any UK listeners. They have lots of lovely things on there, and it's run by two lovely gentlemen who, uh, yes, uh, I think you know, it's been difficult times for all these kind of hobby stores. And so, yeah, I, <laughs> if you're local in the UK and you want to buy some stuff, then please do so. Are they in Derby, or where are they located? They are indeed in Derby. Yeah, they're kind of outside the city. They've got a, it's not an industrial estate, but they've got a lovely shop in there. They're always expanding. They've got um, gaming tables and things. Uh, they just reopened, actually, and are running a kind of, you have to sign up to access a table because they've got limited tables now, obviously, with social distancing. But yeah, they've got a wide variety of stuff in there. They run all sorts of games, all sorts of tournaments and stuff. And uh, yeah, you know, it's a, uh, it, it's what I'd call, it's my local hobby store. So uh, likewise, a shout out to all any local hobby stores. And uh, if you guys can support them, then then please do. All right. Yeah. My local hobby shop is Recess and they actually do curbside pickup, which I am actually using quite a bit. So if I need something from the shop, I just go, I pick it up online. I drive in front of the shop, roll my back window down. They throw it in the back seat and off I go. So. It works out great. So I don't know if your shop's doing that, Duncan, but there's another idea for them. Mm -hmm. Oh, they do as well, yes. That's terrific. All right, and my shout-out, of course, I'm going to shout-out easyarmy.com. Can you spot Blaster on the page? Yeah, definitely. Always a good thing. That's where, uh, Duncan, that's where we get all our army lists for Kings of War done is Easy Army. So it's a great resource. I know Easy Army. Yeah, it's a great resource, so we absolutely love it. And as I always say, if it's not on Easy Army, it doesn't exist. So it took me a while to play 3rd Edition <laughs> Kings of War until I got my website up, and I did a couple of paper-pencil lists, but I don't like that. I like using Easy Army, so definitely. All right, well, Duncan, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Again, as I mentioned before, you have an open invitation. Anytime you want to come back, you just send me a note. We'll get you up on the show. Thank you for what you do for the community. 
You're very welcome. And um, thanks to everybody out there who's been supporting us over the years. It means more to us than you could ever know. All right, Duncan. Well, hey, why don't you go ahead and take us out? And until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.